spread, spread Delaware. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Sue me if I go too fast. But the sons of his opponents wish that he was their dad. Got a wig for his wig, got a brain for his heart. He'll kick you apart, he'll kick you apart. Ooh, he'll save children, but not the British children. 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 Welcome into Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Today is September 27th, 2023, and this is episode 378. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And on this week's show, we'll pinch ourselves and ensure that we're not dreaming the Orioles' good fortune. But we'll also embrace the fears and our nightmares before Freddy Krueger gets to us. And if we're going to do that, we might as well lubricate the show it's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what is your drink of the week? Uh, Jake, I am doing a Heavy Seas Orange Crush, trying to uh, celebrate a little bit of orange baseball uh, and a little bit more summer as we head into October. Again, this is the second week in a row I've been petrified of having to talk about pumpkin, so uh, I'll take it. It's not, it's not happening just yet. I am apparently in the mood for something uh, a little more cold weathery. Mm. I am working my way through some bullet bourbon. Mm. I did not used to be a brown liquor kind of guy. Yep. And I still can sometimes be on the struggle bus. So instead you were like, this is a white. <laughs> right. Bullet, I, I do enjoy. Yeah, bullets a, a, is nice go-to bourbon, as it were. If you want to know what we're drinking on a daily, weekly, uh, hourly basis... Uh, check us out on uh, Untapped, but also just on Twitter in general, where me and Jake, uh, you know, post random pictures of beer that we're drinking. And with that, we should probably then get a checkup. Yeah, let's go ahead and get a checkup. Time for your checkup. Time for your checkup. I'm gonna check your ears, check your eyes, find out how much you've grown. Time for your checkup. All right, Jake. So why don't you start us off for the medical wing this week? I'm I'm confused. Okay. I, I'm going through my notes here. This is the part of the show where we talk about things that are sad. Yes. This is the, the part of the show where we talk about things that are affecting our Orioles and, and make us worry about our Orioles not being able to perform at at full strength. Yeah. Scott? Yeah. I'm looking left. Mm-hmm. I'm looking right. Mm-hmm. You- a lot of empty beds here in the medical wing. Not really. I mean, Dylan Tate's been there the entire season. <laughs> <laughs> no, they sent him home. Um, is this the is this the episode of Mash where they're like, and the helicopter crashed? He won't be returning. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking more. <laughs> I was thinking more. Where's Lieutenant Dan? But that's oh. neither here nor there. Uh, Ryan Mountcastle. You know, Stephen Queen is eventually going to get over that barbed wire fence. <laughs> Ryan Mountcastle. Bum, bum. 
has returned. Yeah, today. Uh, from his AC joint, whatever that is, yeah. uh, shoulder issue. Ryan McKenna, back to the minors. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how ready uh, Mountcastle is. But that's good news. Yeah, it's it's good news for Ryan Mountcastle. I'm glad to see him up. Um, but we, we look, buried the lead. Looks like Ryan McKenna is going to miss another <laughs> potential celebration in the clubhouse. That's got to be awkward. I mean, he can't go back to Norfolk. I mean, Norfolk right now is in the IL Championship Series, so like he can't be added to the roster right now for Norfolk. So he just has he's just hanging, right? Like, where does one go when you're optioned, but you can't go back to a team that you've been optioned to? Do you want the real answer, the snark answer? Por que los dos? The real answer is probably goes to Florida. Okay, that and, makes sense. And they, they do as many real baseball activities as possible. Uh, the snark answer is that you go into a dark basement and you rethink the choices that you made to drop that one ball that one time. I really hope that they're just hiding him in the background. Yeah. Um, oh, sure. And just saying, hey, we're optioning you, but you don't really need to report to camp until we tell you you need to report to camp. It's possible. That's what I'm hoping. Um, so that's it, right? No. The exciting thing that happened yesterday in Cannon Yards mm-hmm. before the game. Mm-hmm. Felix Bautista threw the ball and did not fall apart. Yeah, absolutely. Now, look, I'm not saying he's back. Yep. I'm not saying that he's going to be able to overcome this UCL injury and be useful to the Orioles in heroic fashion in the playoffs. Sure. But I'm also not saying mm-hmm. that the Orioles tried it and it didn't work. Sure. It's still very much up in the air. But the, the fact that he threw a simulated game yesterday. And all his teammates were there watching. At, at seemingly at velocity. Seemingly. We don't know that. But, again... If he was not pitching at velocity, one would assume that the beat writers would have published saying, like, he's not quite at full. So the only thing I did see about the pitches was that the splitter was working. Yeah. Look, again, I I don't want to be accused of throwing on my orange colored glasses and saying that everything's fine. Everything is not. Everything is not fine. Everything is distinctly not fine. Mm -hmm. And his first even if he comes back. His first pitch could be the last of the season. Sure. But. But the emotion, the feels. It wasn't a terrible thing. But did you see the video aspect where, um, you know, Felix was taking the mound? I did not see that. So Brandon High was there obviously watching. uh, And he turns to the camera and he says, for Frodo. And Felix Batista runs out and goes (laughs) into the depths of Mordor. Um, to battle the darkness and the evil. Well, Scott, one does not simply walk to the top of the mountain. Yeah. All right. That's the medical wing. Thank you, my precious. <laughs> I've been called worse on this show. <laughs> I've been called worse in a lot of places. Do you think Smith is called precious by Sam Dingman? I hope so. Yeah. I I hope it to be true. Yeah. Of the many places that I've been called worse is the internet. And so let's take it there. Especially in 280 characters or less. (laughs) Onto an app that used to be called Twitter and see what used to be this week in the tweets. Our first tweet uh, takes us to what a time to be alive. Mm -hmm. And this is a tweet from uh, Eric Arditi at EDD22. Just like we all imagined at the beginning of the year, Aaron Hicks batting cleanup in a game where the Orioles can clinch the division and get their 99th win. 
What? It's so funny, the sentences that you can say out loud you, you and remember, still be true. You remember season. earlier this year, we had um, OpenAI write us, you know, podcast <laughs> yes. scripts, basically? That's a po- that's an OpenAI podcast script. We are living in the Matrix as we speak. I, I have often thought that uh, he might be ChatGPT. Yeah, absolutely. Chat RDT. Yeah. That's an idea for you. Just an idea. Uh, next, I do want to address uh, a certain a certain elephant in the room. Okay. But let's start with the tweet. Our tweet comes to us from Baltimore Sports Report at Ball Sports Report. It could have been worse with a link to Zach Wilt's Substack. It's great to see Zach out there putting media. I also wanted to go out there and say thank you to Zach for coming on the podcast last week, um, getting on the microphone with Jake, um, you know, coming out and very busy man kind of working with his current, you know, job down in Florida, um, getting on there um, and putting out a podcast in my absence last week so that, you know, Bird's Eye View could continue um, and you guys could listen to it last week while I was on the road working for work. Um, so Zach, thank. Wait, wait a second. Why does Zach's episode say it got published today? Uh, well, that's um, it's funny that you ask that. Yeah. Uh, see, when you go away for a week, yeah, um, I have to man the ones and the twos, mm-hmm. and so um, Zach sounded beautiful. Uh huh. I sounded like I was podcasting from the mm-hmm. sub at the bottom of the ocean. Gotcha. And it took me a little while to get sound that was <clears throat> audible mm-hmm. and understandable, sort of. So what I'm hearing here is you project managed it. I may have. Yeah, I may you project have. managed Listen, this. Listen, it was a very busy week. I went to some baseball games. <laughs> this sounds like project manager <laughs> excuses. But, Listen, there's a lot of things that happened this week. I know I had one project to work on this week, but I just didn't get around to it. Scotty, let's circle back on this later, yeah. and uh, and we'll touch. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, you know, again, listener, I apologize that you have to uh, wait to hear the melodious sounds of Zach Wild opining on the Baltimore Orioles, but... You should rush to the Substack and subscribe. Make sure that you get everything that he writes. He's one of the good guys. Uh, he's a longtime uh, Birdosphere friend of ours. In reality, you get a twofer, basically. Mm-hmm. So what's wrong with a twofer on that basis? Everybody, you know what, Scott? Mm-hmm. Let's record two. Yeah, except let's put Ghost Runners on when we get to the 10th inning. Um, next tweet uh, comes from Orioles fan Ryan. Hey, we know this guy pretty well. Uh, his tweet goes as follows. Orioles 2023 record by day of the week. Monday 11 and 5, Tuesday 13 and 11, Wednesday 9 and 15, Thursday 13 and 3, Fridays 15 and 8, Saturdays 15 and 10, and Saturdays 19 and 6. This means nothing. I just felt like tweeting it. First of all, Ryan, this means a lot to me. And it means a lot to certain Orioles fans, especially those of us who have had the Sunday ticket plan for many a years. <laughs> Uh, so I know Chris Maurer, you know, commented on this one as well. Um, but for many years, um, having the Sunday ticket plan meant you're going to see punt lineups and you're going to see absolutely atrocious losing baseball. Uh, and when you did get to see w- winning games, um, it was, you know, a catastrophic nail biting instance and never, you know, within a, 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 a strike in the ninth inning of losing that game. So, I have particularly enjoyed seeing a significant amount of Sunday baseball um, that has been very successful. Um, so, yeah, this is awesome. I'm great. This is this is perfect. This is what I want to see more of. What do you think is going on on Wednesdays, or do you think it's just random? Um, 
I was about to say, I think it might be buy one, get one free at Buffalo Wild Wings that night. But actually, I think those are Thursday nights. Um, I have no idea what's going on Wednesdays nights. Getaway days, maybe? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? All right. Next tweet comes from an absolute legend. Um, and this comes from Joe Angel himself. Wave it. Bye-bye. And he tweets as follows. He was beautiful to watch and even more beautiful to know. Proud and lucky to know him. Grateful to have seen him play. The greatest at third, second to none, first in our hearts. Love you, Brooksy. It's great to see Joe pop back in, um, back into the Orioles' Twittersphere. Um, and again, this is a great aspect, and we'll talk a little bit about later with the Brooks situation. But it's great to see Joe Angel pop up and, and wave it bye-bye to one of the Orioles' greats. Well, Scotty, we've started with feels. Let's collect ourselves. Let's come back and talk some feels. All right, Scotty, it's time to go around the bases. Let's start at first base with the feels. And I know that we just talked about Brooks, and we, and we will talk about Brooks. But I wanted to take a quick moment mm. uh, to check in with you, because you and I haven't talked on the mics since uh, the Adam Jones game. Yeah. We attended that game. Uh, <laughs> not a great game. Not a great game. Uh, Sarah and I attended a lot of baseball that weekend. I went to three of the four games in that series. Um and so I wanted to chat with you about the feels associated with Adam Jones night. It was incredibly disheartening that the Orioles won that or lost that game. Yep. But looking back on it. Yep. I mean, did the did the Adam Jones re-entry into the organization did it did it sat did it scratch the itch? Did it hit where you were hoping it would hit? It did. Um, you know, I, I think it was a great ceremony for Adam. Um, I'm, it was great that, you know, the, the organization recognized him. Um, but again, I, I think, you know, the the moment that it really hit me hard watching that ceremony um, was seeing Marcakis there. Mm. Um, and again, I know Davis was there. And like I said, that's, that was great that, that, that Chris was there. But again, when you think Adam Jones right next to him in my mind, will always be Nick Marquez. It'll always be 2110 um, in, in, in my head. Um, so I really loved seeing Marquez there making an appearance, um, catching Adams for his first pitch. Um, that's, this is, it's just a special time. And again, we've, we've talked about it, you know, that's well over 10 years ago now where, you know, you had the buckle up birds era and in, in reality for Marquez and Jones, it's even before then. So, you know, I think back to that time, that's the time that you and I kind of met for the first time, um, it was, you know, when we were first starting our families as well. Um, so you get a little sentimental and you start thinking about all that time, um, and how special it was is the best way to put it. So good to see Adam, good to see the, 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 the ceremony, the pomp and the circumstance as well. And everyone thought for sure coming into that game that the Orioles were going to be guaranteed to come out like gangbusters. It was scripted. Exactly. Um, and, and again, a lot of similarities that people and even, you know, us talked about, which is like, well, very similar to maybe the Cal game. And I wanted to pump our brakes and be like, and I think I mentioned this the last time we talked, like, well, you know, Felix Hernandez had his ceremony for the Mariners early this year when the Orioles played them. And the Orioles managed to end up coming back and winning that game. I believe it was one to nothing. Um, so anything can happen in those games. Um, but yeah, leaving the AJ game, uh, the Orioles 
in essence lost two games to the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, and Birdland is frantic, is the best way to put it. I, I mentioned that I went to three games that series. I went to Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. And I, I have to tell you, Sunday's game uh, was important for me. This was a, a very close game. Yep. The Orioles won it in extras. This is September 17th. Incre- incredibly close game. And I got to tell you, y- you and I were together for, you know, in the show and in the stands for the Buckle Up Birds era. Yep. And I've often wondered, mm-hmm. you know, that's a long time ago now. Sure. So, so, you know, seven years since since 2016. You know, now we're in our 40s. Okay. And, and I wondered to myself, like, am I going to get as excited? Are you going to get that moment again? Am, am I, yeah. Am I going to get those tingles again the way I did, you know, during, during, did, did I miss the moment? Correct. And I got to tell did you. Did my happiness pass is the best way yeah, to describe it. Yeah, yeah, Things that your wife asks on a, on a daily basis. But I got to tell you, the winning of that game. Sure. And and just the like. The come from behind nature. Yeah. And, and be, being there, watching them celebrate. Just, leaving the park that day. I had the feeling again. Sure. And we, and we hadn't, you know, we hadn't, that that wasn't a deciding game. Yeah. I I think that's a really good way to put it. And again, we, we can focus on 2014 and we can talk about the Delman Young game. That's a different scenario as it relates to playoff baseball, but watching that game and watching them come back, you know, this team has shown immense ability to come back throughout the season, but Alex fast has posted this during this series, come up to it saying, you know, the Orioles are, I think we're only one for 42, going into the ninth inning and making comebacks. So they only had one comeback win in those game instances. Um, And in that series, they come back twice in order to win the game. And I thought to myself, you know, that is very similar to what we saw last year with, you know, walk-off wins and come-from-behind wins in the ninth inning. And it also, you know, reminded me of that moment standpoint, like you mentioned, which is, you know, when's the last time I saw this? You know, the Delman Young Gun, maybe... But honestly, this, what it really reminded me of and seeing all the guys celebrate was 2012. It was an aspect where, you know, Hayes coming onto the field on Sunday, carrying the cooler on on his shoulder, dumping it on Mateo, and then in essence hoisting it over his head. I couldn't, you know, get out of my head remembering the whole Chris Davis, like Nate McLeod situation where Davis picks up McLeod. We were actually at that game as well. Um, and Chris Davis literally looks like he is going to um, carry Nate McLeod across the entire field like a Superman doll. Um, and at one point, I'm wondering if he's going to throw him. Um, <laughs> but that's kind of what it reminded me of. Like you could see the emotion roll off the shoulders, as it were. And, you know, again, clinching moment for the Baltimore Orioles to get into the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, you know, tons of pictures, tons of video came out of that. Um, but even, you know, the commentary, not from the new guys, but from the old guys, Hayes, Santander, and Mullins. And again, I'm saying old guys, and they're not that old. But, you know, that comment that they made of saying, we made it. Eerily similar to 2012, eerily similar to 2014, Nick Markakis looking up and hearing Ryan Wagner talk about it and say, you're AL East division champions. Um, it was a special day. Let's just say that much. It was a special day. Um and one of the best days, I think, from a Baltimore fan base standpoint, of like you see the Ravens win, and then within a 30-minute period of time, you see the Orioles come back, win a game, clinch a playoff, and then go celebrate in the locker room. So, yeah, 
It's also my birthday, so it's a pretty pretty fun fun birthday gift is the best way to put it. I mean, that's what happened. Yeah. Incredible feelings. Um and and I will say that I I have I've tried my best to bottle that yeah. a little bit and and especially to get through, you know, frustrating games and remind myself right. that that those highs are as possible. But for the highs that we just described, obviously uh you know, this week we've we've had the lowest of lows as far as the organization is concerned. And with the loss of Brooks Robinson, I mean, it's just devastating on so many levels. And I, I will say that I, I think it is a testament to what a wonderful human being Brooks Robinson was that so many people are as, are as sad as they are yeah. right now. I think the biggest thing, and it, and it strikes me as... Um, how multi-generational Brooks can turn out to be. You know, Brooks, you know, never played in our generation, never even played, you know, in a year before we were born, um, you know, played up into the 70s and that was it. So again, the only, you know, standpoint that I can have a perspective in terms of Brooks is seeing videos of him and seeing my dad talk about him on that basis um, as a baseball player. Sure. But as a human being and having met Brooks before, you know, everyone has talked about it like true salt of the earth kind of guy. You know, there's a, a commentary that's been made out there in terms of like Smaltimore is a kind of standpoint. Very similar, like he would go to, you know, various community functions. Um, if you needed Brooks somewhere to support from a community basis, he would do it. So, you know, I, I can give a few stories, but one that I particularly remember is. Uh, my dad was one of the uh, directors for Baltimore County Recreation and Parks. Um, and I remember one time he had reached out to the Orioles to see, like, can someone come by? So Brooks shows up with Al Bumbry and somebody else. But I can't remember who it was. But I know it was Bumbry and, and Brooks. Um, and they stick around for the entire festivity. They are there from 8 o'clock when we are just lining fields all the way up until like four o'clock when everything's up and they are going around, they're talking to people, they're having conversations, they're eating hamburgers from, you know, a, you know, a, a food cart in Dundalk is the best way to describe it. And just in essence, talking the talk is the best way to describe it. Um, and it's like a family barbecue as it were. Um, and everyone is just, you know, great and chummy with Brooks and everything like that. Um, and he, He's not looking at his watch. He's not looking at, he's just, you know, living life as it is. And I think that's what people talk about on that basis of like, that's the kind of personality he is, you know, even though he is one of the, one of the greatest, if not the greatest third baseman of all time, the humility factor is a big deal. And, you know, I think that really represents Baltimore to a T. We don't like individuals that are in essence, not humble. I think this is one of the knocks that Manny had of great talent. Everyone could recognize there was a talent, but people got on Manny due to the humility factor. And I think people always look at it and say, we're going to root for players that show that humility. We saw it in Brooks. We saw it in Cal. And now we're starting to see it in Adley as well. And Gunner, yeah. Gunner, I'm not sure has that humility standpoint just yet. I think I have to wait and see. But Adley, no doubt, represents that that aspect of a Mr. Uh, Mr. Oriole. Um, and I think Gunner could be there. I just have to feel Gunner out a little bit more, but, um, Brooks was an amazing individual, a very, you know, considerate individual, um, you know, not just for the Orioles organization, but for Baltimore's Baltimore's community. Yeah. I think the point that you made about, about us not experiencing him as a player is spot on because our, 
our understanding of our experience of Brooks Robinson was as uh, a gentleman of the game. Correct. A gentleman of the community, I would actually say, yeah. more than anything else. Like, outside the game, he was a Baltimore ambassador. But but the guy who was Mr. Oriole yes. was Mr. Oriole because of who he was mm-hmm. and the way that he was revered as a man, as a Correct. person, not the Hall of Fame player. Correct. The Hall of Fame player piece was great. Yep. But the thing that I think made people so proud to have adopted you know, a son of Little Rock was... That he was so incredible. Yeah. Uh, when people talk about the Oriole way, and there's there's a lot of comments on this basis of like, well, the Orioles did it right in the 60s and 70s. But in reality, like if you look back at how they did their farm system and how they did their player development, it actually wasn't that great. I think when people think back fondly on the nostalgia of the Oriole way, they think back about players like Brooks, who again, were part of the player development, part of the organization, and part of the development process, just like Howard Senior. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it's impossible to put into words how much Brooks meant for this organization, for this town, for this community. You know, I tweeted about it last night, you know, there are thousands, probably tens of thousands of people in this community named after Brooks Robinson. And that is an amazing situation to think about. I mean, like I posted, my dog is named after Brooks Robinson. Um, and my wife's like, did you name Brooks, your dog after Brooks Robinson? I was just like, honestly, when I first named him. I didn't even think about it, but subconsciously, there's no doubt in my mind I did right. it. Um, so again, it's 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 a it's a hole that's been that that is left in Birdland, um, but the memory doesn't die. Is the most describing. It's a question of who from the Baltimore Orioles um, going forward um, is never not going to replace Brooks Robinson, but rather who is going to take that mantle. And basically live up to the Brooks Robinson standard that he set for so many years. Yeah. And it's a tough, it's really tough. Um, you know, I don't think Cal is ever going to do that. He, it's just not his personality. Um, so it'll be really interesting to see who is willing to do that and take on that persona if anyone can. I went to the game last night. I didn't find out about Brooks until I got to the ballpark. You know, I drove down. Uh, at one point, uh, my phone went a little nuts and I assumed it was work. So I ignored it, uh, got into the ballpark and, and read the news. Um, I didn't get to watch any of the reactions on mass and, um, until I got home. Brutal. Uh, absolutely brutal. Yeah. You, you have to feel for <clears throat> Jim Palmer yeah. because of the, the work that he's done to, to be the, um, emotional outlet of a fan base watching, watching him in real time process great sadness over the loss of friends. Um, I think it's that. And I think it's also a situation too, because, you know, I think, and I hate to bring this up all the time, but um, I think back to the Flanny night. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, I know that's 12 years ago, but that's a night that is going to haunt me for pretty much my entire life, in my opinion. Um, And I think when these instances happen with Jim, um, we've seen it before with Flanagan. We've seen before for, 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 for Weaver. We've seen before for Frank, you know, I think to a certain regard, and I think Palmer's talked about this is in an essence, it almost paints a mortality on himself. And he said this before, he's like, when you start to see your friends pass away around you, it kind of puts in perspective the life that you lived. Um, and I think that's that's elegant storytelling in terms of, you know, 
we oftentimes paint Palmer as this narcissistic individual who you know, never gave up a grand slam and is the greatest <laughs> pitcher of all time. Um, but to a certain regard, I think Jim, in essence, is able to play off that persona just like we play off sometimes our podcast persona, um, but at the same time is very much an individual who is aware of his own humanity and or mortality in some instances. And and it was must-watch TV. This is bald morons, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was much must-watch TV in the fact that a shocked and grieving fan base needed to hear from Absolutely. Palmer in that moment. Absolutely. That's that's why I kept thinking. It's like, I, I want to hear from Jim yeah. in order to kind of put in perspective. I mean, I know Scott Corso talked about it, and Scott did a lot of years broadcasting in yeah. tandem with Brooks, and I think that's great. But we needed to hear from a friend and a a you know a fellow teammate of Brooks. And I don't know why we feel like that's the need, but that's the first thing I thought is like, I need to see Palmer and see how he's doing. Oh, I think it's because of the the connection he has as a you know, he's constantly in our ears. You sure. Know, he we, we have a conversation with him every night. Yeah. Um so you wanted to hear from Rick Dempsey as well. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, you know again, incredible highs, incredible lows for feels. I I wanna uh put a uh Separation between that conversation sure. we just had and this next bit. Um, and I want to say something that, that may seem callous. Uh-huh. Part of my, the process of my emotions last night, I found myself to be a little frustrated with the organization in the fact that the last set of Oreo greats are are old enough to be passing. Sure. I mean, we've we've lost 3 in yep. the last 10 years. Correct. And the as you pointed out, who's going to take the next mantle? The next generation of great Orioles, yep, may not be here yet. Oh, or, I, I or, think or we may we may be seeing them. And I and, think you've only seen one right now that's in existence and it's not a retired number. I think Adam is your only other individual that potentially could carry that mantle. Cal and Eddie are not going to carry that mantle. But but my frustration is sure. that they've given us so little You're totally right. great baseball yep. for a generation yep. that it robs a fan base yep. of moments like this. You're absolutely right. Because in essence, you have the 1980s. And again, 1980s were not a bad decade no, for the Baltimore Orioles. No. But you have the 1980s all the way up to current time. So you have 40 years there where, in essence, you've got Cal, Eddie... You've seen is not possible. You basically it Mike didn't want this that that right. honor as well. Right. Um, you've got nobody else from the 1990s because I've already thrown Cal in there. Is the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, and then you get into the the 2000s and like you could say Brian Roberts and Melvin Mora, but not really. Um, and then you end up in Buckleball Birds era in 2010s, and now you're with you know Jones and Marcakis and. That's it. Like, yeah. Give or take. Like, yeah. So you have what there? You know, four to five players to potentially lean on in a 40 year period. When I when I think about my kids, you know, my grandkids generation and the, the players that they will revere. Sure. The way we were able to revere Derek Jeter, Stop Paul it. O'Neill, Stop Mariano it. Rivera. It makes me David f- Cohn. Do I need to stop? Very much so. <laughs> It makes me frustrated with the organization that it wasn't that the stewardship of our connection 
to Oreo greatness sure. was so badly bungled. Absolutely. Yeah. And like I said, that is not just the on the field product. Yes. But it is the community part that, you know, we mentioned earlier, um, you know, not having that community element when people say, why are people not in the stands? The community has to embrace the players in the field and feel a tie that these players are going to be around for years to come and also be around for years to come after they're done with the team as well. And again, I point out there's a reasons why Adam got the ceremony he did because he was able to make that connection with the community. And if you look at Manny, Manny was obviously a better player than Adam Jones, but Manny was never going to do that based off of the personality and his connection to the community. But there was also a reason that Adam spent a few years away. That's true. That's true. And that's because the organization made that decision. And again, I think it was right for Adam to, in essence, you know, the Orioles organization and Adam to basically part ways at the end of 2018. I know that's maybe a contentious conversation, but again, we have to look back at it now. And, you know, you look at it and say, well, that led to Mullins going into center field. And in reality, that was probably the right move on a long-term basis. Agreed. So many feels. So many feels. So many feels. And and I will just say, Birdland, please keep the the Brooks Robinson uh, flame alive. I, I have loved seeing personal stories. I've loved seeing, you know, new tales that that the community has brought, you know, to social media and all all the other mediums uh, to be able to appreciate a, a great life well lived. Uh, do not do not stop. All right, let's take it over to second base, Scotty. And at second base, pinch me. Okay. Give me one second. Things are going... Ow! What the hell? It's a... It's an expression. Oh. Expression. Okay. You need to put that in the show notes. <laughs> <laughs> um, things are ridiculously good right now. And and when I say that, I mean... You obviously- wouldn't have thought that going into that Saturday game for the race series. You would have thought the season was over. Sure, but... Listen, the Orioles have not sewn up the the East at this point. Thank, thanks a lot, Rays. Things things look good, but yeah. they're not. That's not sewn up. The Orioles are on the way to finishing to an AL best record, and look poised to take the AL East. Sure, Gunnar Henderson, yeah, is absolutely going to finish the AL Rookie of the Year. No question, hundred percent guaranteed. Outside of of Gunnar Henderson, some of the young. Some of the young players are establishing themselves on a trajectory to be stars. Absolutely. I mean, it seems silly, but Adley is is like a is almost like a given that he's going to have a, a good like a sure. a a he's above co- Weeder's career. Right? He is going to have an all star like career and be a top five catcher for as long as he can catch. It looks yeah, looks like is the best way to put it. But you look at at this season and. Grayson Rodriguez and Kyle Bradish have really cemented themselves in the second half. Absolutely. As being blockbuster players. Yeah. I mean, Kyle Bradish, I know, you know, was talked about last night in the broadcast. Um, but Kyle Bradish is going to be a qualified starter now after pitching 162 innings pitched um, and is going to be top three in the American League in terms of ERA. And again, ERA is not the best predictive standpoint. But again, if you start looking at some of his FIP numbers and stuff like that, and again, what the Orioles really love about Kyle Bradish is a metric called Stuff Plus, which means you know how well is your pitch your pitch arsenal and how deceptive is it on that basis. And Kyle Bradish is one of the best in the league. So 
you know, we talked about this last year with Kyle Bradish, and Kyle Bradish had his struggles. And I said, he's so close. Last year, I said, he's so close to being really good. He's got to just figure out like one or two more things, and it's going to be great. And it looks like this year, he put it together. Um, and that is an individual, again, well, everyone knows this who listens to this podcast. That's an individual who you traded Dylan Bundy for. Yeah. Um, in order to get. So, that is, you know, I'm not sure if I would classify Kyle Bradish as an ace. I know his ERA is there, but it was really interesting um, hearing Hyde talk about him. Uh, and it was, oh, it was really gritting of the teeth almost. Hyde was saying, you know, when I look at Kyle, it reminds me of a young Jake Arietta coming to the Cubs and us basically putting him out there and absolutely just dominating after he came to the Cubs organization. And when he said that, I was just like, why do you have to be right, Brandon Hyde? Like, <laughs> well, he was led. The question asked. I understand that, but I'm like, but I was like, why? Why you got to be like that? But he was absolutely right when he when it was kind of led and it was talked about. It's just like he does have an Arietta esque persona when he was with the Cubs. Obviously, not with the Baltimore Orioles. Um, and again, I, I'm going to segue off of that really quickly for the Arietta comment. Um, Grayson has also been immensely impressive. I think he's got. I want to say a 2.8 ERA since coming back, um, you know, from from AAA. That might, it might even be a little bit lower than that. But what I really like hearing Grayson say is, hey, you know, I went down there, I worked on a few things, and I came up here, and I figured out what kind of pitcher I need to be in AAA, and the Orioles organization let me be who I needed to be, and I was able to fine-tune what I, when I, what I was. And again, when I come back to Arietta and I think about the Orioles organization, Arietta knew what he wanted to do. And the Orioles organization said, no, 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 no. Like, you need to pitch like this. And the biomechanics tell us you need to do this. We saw the same thing with Kevin Gossman as well. Mm-hmm. We saw the same thing with Dylan Bundy. So I, I look at this and I say, yes, you know, you know, the Orioles may in the past have had issues in terms of developing pitchers. But now you have two starting pitchers that, in essence, you developed from your pitching depth um, that have been successful. Um, and again, not all your pitchers are going to do that. You know, Dayton Lane Hall, for example, is probably not going to be a starting pitcher, but that's okay. Like, if he is a dominant relief pitcher for you, um, that is going to be worth its weight in gold, it looks like, in October. Um, so we can make that do. So, yeah, you got three players there in Grayson Rodriguez, Kyle Bradish, and Gunnar Henderson. Kyle Bradish should honestly get some Cy Young vote. He should not win the Cy Young. That's that's crazy talk. Right. Um, but he should be at least top five in terms of Cy Young voting. Um, and I'll be honest with you. And we were talking about Gunner being a guaranteed AL Rookie of the Year. Gunner should get some AL MVP votes. He should not be top five, but he should finish easily top ten in AL MVP. And just think about that. If you think about players who've won Rookie of the Year and also been in top 10 for ALMV, you're talking about Orioles players in the past like Cal Ripken Jr. or like an Eddie Murray and stuff like that. So Gunner is going to be and looks like he's going to be a generational talent. Um, and again, Ali is amazing and it's great to have him. But Gunner looks like he is going to be the 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 gasoline as it were to this to this organization to say i took this team from being a very good team to being one of the best teams in baseball um by putting out there you know a six or seven war season here here we we're talking about the stars sure another pinch me moment yeah 
is that the organization is turning out stars, but they're also turning out from their depth complementary players. Sure. Right? We talk about it all the time. Who Adam Frazier. Who are gonna be <laughs> who are gonna be the Jonathan Scopes of, yep. of you know who's gonna be the, the who's, who's gonna be your two to three war players is the best way to put it. When I look at guys like Jordan Westberg and yeah. Heston Kerstad, I look at players who have come up and have not not been gangbusters. Sure. But I look at them and say, these are players that the organization has developed who can be competent, uh, complementary players. Yeah. And again, that means that you don't have to go out and buy it. Well, there's that. And also it's, it's a matter where eventually you have to start replacing players through age attrition. So, you know, I look at Jordan Westberg and there is really no one blocking him besides just, you know, veterans that are in their current positions, but are not going to be here next year. Um, and Heston Kerstad, you know, I was I was happy to see him come up to the majors. I was like, I'm glad he's getting his chance. Um, and now watching him, I'm like, dude has mad pop. Like, it is unbelievable the power that he has to all fields. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what you're thinking about this, but like, I, I'm looking at it, and I'm my off season conundrum is where do you put Heston Kerstad? In 2024, where do you see slot into the starting nine? Because I want to see more of them. And I'm like, I don't know where you play him right now, but I've seen enough that I'm like, dude can mash. I want to see him mash in Camden Yards. I mean, some of those batting practice, you know, balls where he's hitting, in essence, onto the Utah Street gates by the bleachers um, is just freakishly impressive. And again, he hasn't quite put it together yet in terms of spraying the ball. But once he starts learning how to spray the ball, like Westberg learned and everything like that, Kerstad's going to be an absolute beast. Um, so very interested to see uh, Westberg and Kerstad and see where they slot in um, and who potentially they replace in 2024. Scott, pinch me. No, 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 no stop. That's it, right? There's not. There's more on the horizon. No, that's not possible. Yes. That's not possible. Kobe Mayo is, is doing great. Yeah. There. But obviously. Yeah. Next year, Jackson Holiday is going to be an Oriole. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's a question of when. Is it's not? It's that, that's all. It's not. It's not if he's going to be an Oriole. It's going to be when. Um, and again, named the minor league baseball player of the year by Baseball America. Um, you know, once again, um, the Orioles have back to back instances on that. Um, but yeah, Jackson Holiday looks like he's going to be the real deal. Again, super young, just like Gunner. And again, if you start thinking about that standpoint of you know what has gotten the Orioles the way that it is. It's not the long ball, like the Buckle of Birds era. It is truly hustle, hustle, hustle. And it's extending singles into doubles. It's taking second base. Um, it's taking third base. Um, trying to steal home. Trying to steal home. But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing when Jackson Holiday comes up in 2024. But I'm not rushing it. If it doesn't happen at the very beginning of the year, no, I'm okay with that is the best way to put it. And we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah, a lot of ridiculously good things to look at. Um, and a lot of good things, you know, to, no matter what happens in the upcoming month with Baltimore Orioles baseball, you walk away saying next year is going to be just as nice. I've got one more pinch me moment. Sure. This is a bonus. Sure. And it has very little to do with the Orioles, mm-hmm. but I was very worried this year with all of the changes uh, rule changes that got made to Major League Baseball. Yeah, you were very nervous about the time clock and the shifts being eliminated. Everything happened at once. Yeah. 
And, and you're not was, good with change. And it was very jarring. And so I will, I will say, I hate the Ghost Runners change, mm-hmm. and I will go to my grave with that. Well, that disappears in the playoffs. No. Yeah. Really? Yeah. All right, we'll put a pin in that. But outside, someone can correct me on that one. But I'm ninety nine point nine percent sure that it disappears in the playoffs. Can I correct you without knowing if I'm right? Sure. All right, you're wrong. Am I wrong? I don't know. Okay. Um, outside of that rule that I I loathe. Yes. I was worried that baseball was going to feel too different this year. Sure. That that it was it was not going to be the game I love. It's going to feel artificial. It was yeah, but it was going to feel something. Yeah. I I how love wrong, the fact. How that, wrong were you? Very wrong. Very wrong. Baseball feels like baseball. Yep. Uh, and you know minor differences and it's fine. Um, I'm just thankful that in in the year where yep. the Orioles are doing so well that this this outside baseball component hasn't yeah. colored my my I, I think, way to emotionally uh, I, deal with it. I think it's one of the standpoints, and I, I, we were talking about this at the beginning of the year, and I was like, it's not going to matter. The only thing that's going to really matter is the pitch clock, and the pitch clock is going to be such a boon of you're going to go from every game being three hours plus to every game being two and a half to two hours and 40 minutes. And I'll tell you right now, you know, you and I are both old men. We can stick up late. We can watch the game. The fact that I can sit down now at seven o'clock or now in the school season where it's six thirty-five with my son and an honest son's watch an entire game for two and a half hours and say, Okay, I was able to watch the whole game with my son, magical. And again, before it was a matter where he could stick it out and he'd be like, Dad, it's like the sixth inning, like I've got to get going to bed. And I'd be like, You're right, bud, you gotta get going to bed. Um so again, I, I think, you know, we came out of this and we kept saying you know, a lot of the things that they made changes for were overblown, but the pitch clock, I think, has been the biggest improvement to Major League Baseball, um, and it's been certainly a welcome benefit. I hate the Ghost Runners. The Ghost only, Runners needs to go away. The only one that's anywhere near get off my lawn is don't love the disengagement, but yeah. but I do understand how it would be a, a way to get around the pitch Correct. clock. Correct. So I will I will see the, the point. Yeah. Don't love it, but it's I think not that bad. one might be potentially played around with in the future, but it's not terrible. Ghost Runners needs to die is the best way to describe it. So, all right. Anything else from a pinch me standpoint? No, I've been, I'm going to try to get rid of these bruises. Let's go to third base. <coughs> Scott, I've, I've been to a lot of baseball games the last yeah. couple of weeks. I mean, just a ton. And I've noticed something at Camden Yards. I don't know if this is something that you've noticed. I don't know if it's something anybody cares about but me. But I have an observation. And I have to get it off my chest. Sure. I have noticed a lot that fans being in the ballpark, you know, again, the ballpark it may not be uh, 48,000 strong every night or whatever. Sure. But good crowds yeah. have been at Camden Yards. And attendance is up this year significantly. And and I feel like the crowds have been very engaged. Mm-hmm. Good baseball crowds. Yep. And there are times where the the fans will be authentically engaging, cheering, roaring at the appropriate times. And then, oh, you're talking like the let's go O standpoint, where like behind first base they're doing it, and then maybe in the bleachers they're doing it. Well, yeah, there, like there is that, and they're spelling out the Orioles, right. but like I, there are moments where the audio board will take over mm-hmm. and like start a rhythmic clapping oh, when the fans when are the fans are already doing already it, already doing it, and oh. it it happens like every game that I've been to over the last two weeks. That's weird. And I don't, bird's eye view listeners, tell me if it's just me. If it's just me, I will shut up. But I, I do think that there's an opportunity. Please here. do that. <laughs> Please. 
I think there's an opportunity for us to tell the the audio board engineer, let us cook. Yeah. The fans are smart here in Baltimore. We've yeah. been waiting a long time to do We got well, this. I wouldn't say we're smart in all instances because there are certain groups of fans that will start the wave sure. in, in, in incorrect moments. But it will come back to 2131 since we are waxing nostalgically. And again, I think a really important basis for that 2131 game was um, you know, when, when Cal is doing his whole thing, he's reg, reg, recognizing the crowd and everything like that. The announcers go quiet mm-hmm. and the announcers just let the moment sit. And I think as an audio board standpoint, it is so difficult to sometimes let the moment sit. Um, but what do we talk about baseball all the time? Baseball is all about white noise and the noise that is coming from the environment. So sometimes you have to pipe in noise in order to kind of keep the the game going, as it were. But if the fans are engaged and they're creating their own noise, take a seat back, watch it. And then again, just like when you're in a band, figure out when you need to insert yourself appropriately, um, but don't play over your lead singer. And your lead singer in a ballpark is always going to be the crowd. I've been wrong before. I could be wrong now. Again, hit me up on the X if I'm wrong. Scotty, we're running a, a little long wind. Yeah. Who, us? Oh, us. Let's I mean, rush into home plate. Yeah. I want to talk to you about my worst fear for this season. Okay. I am terrified. Yeah. Of the reverse Andino. Oh, the, the you're, you're thinking that somehow Boston is going to let the Rays win, which has happened uh, on this evening on Wednesday for two games. Uh, so that the Red Sox were of no help to the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, but instead, they are going to come into Baltimore in a four-game series and stick it to the Orioles and say, go back into your clubhouse, drink your beer, and eat your fried chicken. I'm afraid that it's going to come down to the last game of the season okay. to decide the AL East. Yep. We'll be watching the score in whoever Tampa's playing. Is it Toronto? Uh, yes. Whoever, whoever. Tampa's playing Toronto. And and that the Red Sox will be in a position gotcha. so, to send us to the wild card. And again, if we think about the Andino game, uh, again, you had the Yankees versus Tampa Bay. Uh, so Evan Longoria is not going to be in Tampa this time playing. Uh, so no clutch walk-off home run. Um, so you are expecting the Red Sox to pull out a, a miracle, as it were, uh, and have that happen. I'm, I'm not saying I'm expecting it. Mm-hmm. I'm saying it's my deepest, darkest fear about this season. Okay. Um, what the frick is wrong with you? <laughs> I've been following the Baltimore Orioles for too long to not at least have that crop up into my consciousness. Look, I understand that, you know, and, and this has generally been the theme of September. And in fact, it's been the theme of the season where Earl's fans keep saying to themselves, you know, why are we playing down to our competition and how do we let these games go get away? Um, but again, I think if you look at that Red Sox series, um, if you are going to win the AL East, um, you're going to do it by beating teams like the, by the getting, beating the Red Sox. And again, I've said this for several weeks now, the whole goal, you know, even three weeks ago was to say, you're going to have to get to a hundred, 101 wins. Like that's going to clinch you the division. And certainly it looks like right now, as we end Wednesday, that 100 to 101 wins is going to clinch the division. Um, so, again, if you somehow you know lose to the Nationals and lose all of the Red Sox and stuff like that and you don't clinch going to the AL East, it's all because you didn't get to 100 wins. So, you know, if that happens, it happens. But it's not the reverse in the Andino standpoint. It's just 
baseball being baseball. But I am strongly of the opinion that, um, you know, as we've seen this entire year, and we'll come back to the Adam Jones game, um, if this team had that mentality to basically say, let's go into the clubhouse, let's eat our fried chicken and drink our beer, just like the 2011 Red Sox did, after that Adam Jones game, they would have said, well, we'll come out on Saturday and see what happens. But they came out rip-roaring, ready to kind of prove a point. So this team is nothing like the 2011 Red Sox. Let's just let's call it out a spade a spade. I don't, I'm not looking at talent. I'm just looking at clubhouse personality. There is too much fire in their bellies. Let the boys play. Stop worrying. Pinch yourself and enjoy Orioles baseball. For as long as it lasts, um, if the Orioles get eliminated in the wild card series or the division series, it happens. But you know what? Just enjoy it. Just enjoy it for whatever it is. Um, just don't get swept to the 2014 uh, Kansas City Royals. That's my only request. Well, if we're going to enjoy the winning, I think we should probably step aside and come back and, and let somebody enjoy a fantasy boss win. Was there a thick layer of dust on this music? Heavy. Heavy dust. I'm glad that you got Gunner's theme in here, though. It is a sweet escape from Who's the Boss. It is. All right, let's let's get into Fantasy Boss. It's been a while, because apparently we didn't do Fantasy Boss last week. Um, hey, you're lucky that I got out of the sub. Oh, I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, so anyway, uh, the category for those that don't remember, uh, was dongs and, uh, I picked Anthony Santander, uh, from the week of 914 to 921. Uh, I was expecting a big series for Santander, both against the Rays and also the Astros. Uh, and you picked Gunner, uh, and Gunner demolished Santander two to nothing. Uh, it felt like it was a lot more than that, but I knew Santander, it went on a cold streak. Uh, so it is now 10 to seven so close is it in the bag for you at this point no because we said we were going to the playoffs that we have to have a deep playoff run well again as we have further proof from bird's eye view from years upon years somehow jake is going to win this whole thing um so jake needs to score three additional points which means that you know on rough aspect you know they've got to go probably another two well, two weeks into October, as it were, uh, for at least him to tie. And more than likely, three weeks into October, which means that you're in World Series baseball territory at that point. Um, so I'm liking our odds, is the best way to describe it, uh, Baltimore, on this basis. So I am glad to lose Fantasy Boss this year if it means the Orioles going to the World Series. It's very big of you, Scott. Very big of me. It's very big. All right, so 10-7 to 7 category this week. Category this week, I think we've got to turn our attention to the Boston series. Okay. And so, Scott, I'm going to give you this. Sure. Four games against Boston. Four games against Boston. The over-under. Okay. Robert Indino has under one game-winning hit. I'm going to set the line at 2.5 games. Okay, 2.5. Over or under wins for the Orioles. Oh, um, hmm. I'm going to go over. You're going to go over. I'm delighted to hear that. 
I'm going to go under. I can't take the push. Yep. You you could take the push. Two and a half games. You could take two. Oh, yeah, that's not going to work for you. Uh, but yeah, I'll take two. I'll take over two and a half, and uh, and and get you know say they're going to win three. Look, they've got to win. You know, as of Wednesday evening, we're recording. Uh, the Orioles have won. The Rays have won. The magic number is now one. One, everybody. It's the Brian Roberts watch. It is the Brian Roberts watch. So the Orioles all have to win one game against the Boston Red Sox in order to clinch the AL East. Um, so pending a uh, Jake Nightmare scenario, um, super exciting on that basis. Um, but I think, you know, ultimately, you know, Thursday, you know, good chance to clinch. So I think they're going to come out on fire. Friday, you've got Jim Palmer being recognized for 60 years in the organization. Uh, so that'll be a fun instance. Saturday night is going to be a sellout. And Saturday, they're giving away an Orioles hoodie. The entire stadium is sold out. So the you're going to have 45,000 people there cheering on the Baltimore Orioles, who now may be AL East Division champions, with their swag at a night game. It's going to be lit. It's going to be fire. So I look at those three games, and I say to myself, each three of those games, the Orioles are coming in as the de facto spirit winners from a win probability standpoint, outside of just talent on the field. Um, and we'll see what happens with Sunday and who the Orioles actually pitch on a Sunday if they've clinched the AL East. Um, I heard through the grapevine that Stevie Wilkerson may be signed by the Baltimore Orioles for a one-day contract. Um, but my my gut says the Orioles take three out of four from Boston uh, this upcoming weekend, clinch the AL East, and put me one point closer to a fantasy boss championship. All right. I like I like what I've heard. Uh, I I actually hope that you're right. You know I'm right. You know I'm right. I want you to be right. Yeah, you know I'm right. My heart says you're right. Yeah. My panicked Oreo brain yeah. says, oh, no. Yeah. All right, well, that, um, you know, if Jake is going to be panicked and everything like that, let's figure out who is good, who is bad, and who is ugly this past week in Baltimore. That's right. It's time again for the good, the bad, and the ugly. Scotty, I'm going to get started. My good for this week is John Means. Mm. A lot of great pitching performance, starting pitching performances yeah. this week, but it felt so good to see John Means pitch the way he did in his last start. Yeah, he he just he chucked it. To, is the best way to describe it. To really get into the eighth. I mean, when the team when the team needed deep he needed starts, it the so most, bad. Most it was just it was incredible. And again. It, it mattered in the score sheet. It, it mattered strategically for the rest of the week, the way that, that helped set up the bullpen. But in the fields, man, it yeah. was so great to see John Means' business. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, that just gave a breath of fresh air um, to the team and let them get into uh, the break, as it were, um, well-rested. Um, I'm going to give it to another individual, and I'm not going to go stat-heavy, but I'm going to go feels. Because, again, this is the feels podcast. Um, we've talked crap about this guy all season long. Us? Us. We've got to give it to Adam Frazier. Adam Frazier. Scott, blink twice if you need help. (laughs) 
uh, Adam Frazier, uh, you know, on that, you know, Tampa Bay game, you know, putting a double right down the left field line, you know, he, he comes up and I'm like, you know, honestly, anybody from a clutch standpoint in a leading situation, he's probably one of the best players up there to have at this moment. Um, Adam Frazier is delivered. And as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, it was one of the first moments in quite some time, similar to the Delman standpoint, where I jumped out of my chair up and down. And Mateo, I, I mean, I knew Mateo was there and he already got the jump. And I'm like, he's going to make it. He's going to make it. But I was so excited to see it happen um, that I just think it's a great moment. So, you know, Adam Frazier on a whole has been really struggling at the plate offensively. But in that moment, it really helped to solidify that the Orioles were in a great position going forward for the next two weeks in September um, to be ALE's champion. So he gets my good for the week. Scott, my good is going to go to a rested Yenier Cano. Mm. And I, I specifically want to talk about Tuesday night's game. Sure. He came in and closed the door on Tuesday, and he looked like that untouchable Cano yep. that we had seen. And, you know, there was a period of time um, after Bautista went down that he had not been incredibly effective. Yep. And a lot of that has to do with overuse and this, that, and the other. But I'll tell you what. What I saw on Tuesday night gave me hope that even without a miraculous turnaround from Felix Bautista, that if this bullpen gets the rest it needs, that we can have a lot of fun in late games and stare down quite a few saves. Yeah. No, I I completely agree with you. Um, My bat's going to have to go to... um, you know, Jorge Lopez, not Jorge Lopez. Uh, my bad's going to go to the schedule in general. Um, the constant game upon game upon game. I mean, what was it? 17 games in a row. Just not, not good whatsoever. Um, and it just taxed the bullpen. And outside the bullpen, you could just watch the position players and you could see them dragging on that basis. So, you know, I know other folks have pointed out saying, well, other teams have had this stretch as well earlier season or going into September. September is a completely different ball game. Um, you know, having a stretch like that, in may or june is a completely different scenario and i know people are going back and say well they have extra people in the bullpen on the bench but you've rode the marathon as it were um so yeah my bad is going to go to the september schedule it had it literally ate the orioles up not just in the bullpen but you know in the position players as well all right scott my good is i'm going to say this my good this week is this another good yeah you're just breaking the rules Scott, this team is going to win 100 games it this is. season. I'm struggling to find uglies. First of all, that's not technically true that they're going to win 100 games because per your worst nightmare, <laughs> um, they're going to lose all four games to the Boston Red Sox and the Rays are going to win all the games against the Blue Jays to somehow prevent the Baltimore Orioles from getting into the AL East. Please stop manifesting that. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> My good is going to go. I'm just pointing out the, the idiocracy of it is the best way to describe it. Nobody especially myself, yeah, is unsure about whether or not I'm an idiot. Yeah, uh, Aaron Hicks. Do you want to get your university degree? <laughs> <laughs> Hicks has had a great week, and I say this because, you know, we talk about the complimentary players. Another individual that we criticized. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and uh, defensively, too. Yes. We've really been dogging him defensively. Uh, but in 19 uh, plate appearances this past week, he has, and this is where I think it's incredible, has had a 26.3 walk rate again or walk percentage against just a 10.5 K percentage mm. and uh, had a Woba of 388, a weighted runs created plus of 152. But he did all that with a 333 BABIP. 
not an incredible luck dragon, you know, weighing, uh, tipping the scales type of deal. He was really productive. He helped carry the team when guys like, uh, you know, you mentioned Santander had a, a rough week and, and some of the other guys that we've depended on all season, you know, really struggled as well. And because of that, in that moment, man, Aaron Hicks was was good. Yeah. So I think the ugly has to be, you know, just inconsistencies in the bullpen, um, you know, games being blown. Um, and for a period there, the Orioles didn't really even know who they were going to turn to. I mean, you even saw Cianel Perez, in essence, give up, you know, a blown save after the Orioles came from behind to get the, the lead. So, you know, I think on a whole, you know, there was a stretch there for talking about good, 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 uh, which you're doing, Jake, where the bullpen was ugly for a period there. And you just kept saying to yourself, you know, part of it is because of, you know, the talent that you have there. Part of it is just because they're so exhausted because they're all hitting their in- innings limit. Um, and the part of it is the starters are not going deep into games. So, Again, I, I think coming back around to your good, you know, the fact that John Means and um, you know, you know, Kyle Gibson were able to come out there and in essence go deep into ball games, um, in essence put a hard reset back in the bullpen. And Bradish right afterwards, yeah. And Bradish right afterwards as well. Well, um, so I think it's really encouraging to now see the bullpen coming in for two innings, three innings at most. I mean, tonight with Grayson Rodriguez, they came in for a little bit longer period of time. Um but again, you you now see them potentially in a well-rested scenario. And again, that's what everyone was saying. If the Orioles can take that week off in the first week of October in order to get rested for that first weekend series in the ALDS, it could play massive dividends off of a, um, a team that has obviously been battle-wearied in terms of usage. Um, so I think that's why everyone's stressed because they know – with a little rest, as we've seen over the past two games with the with the Washington Nationals, um, this bullpen can be good. I wouldn't say it's it's great, but it can be very good. Is the best way to put it. It's a bullpen that, if well rested and going right, you don't want to come up against in the playoffs. I don't know if I would say that, but I would say they're serviceable for the playoffs and probably above average from a serviceable standpoint. I still think you know a bullpen that you don't want to come up against in the playoffs is Tampa Bay Rays. Like, the Tampa Bay Rays bullpen scares the heck out of me in the playoffs. Um, But certainly, I think it's an above-average bullpen that in the right scenario and in the right series could do really well. And we'll see what happens. All right, well, with that, let's go ahead and blow the save and uh, see what else Jake has to complain about. Let me go ahead and pull the soapbox out, and it is positioned here, and take it away. I'm going to disappoint you. What? Scotty, I went to Tuesday's game. I locked this soapbox from my house specifically for this segment. I mean, you can leave it here. I'll I'll use it. You'll use it later on. Yeah. (laughs) Or your wife will use it. (laughs) I went to Tuesday's game. Nice. It was a great time. Uh, it was Sarah and Henry and I, and Henry brought a friend. Um, and this this friend of Henry's had never been to a game at Royal Park Cam Yards. Wait, what? Never been new to- kid, like new kid from the neighbor in the neighborhood. He'd never been to Cam Yards, so just moved here. Unimportant. I don't. I don't want to throw him under. The- he, <clears throat> he might be a Phillies fan. Let's just not throw anybody under the bus. Child Protective Services, we can provide a name. He had never been to Camden Yards. Um, and I I really want to... We, we have lavish praise on the Orioles organization this year in you know marketing, 
in um, you know PR in in events fan uh, experience fan experience yep. you know the 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 employees at the park and Tuesday was the, really the culmination of that so um, we. You know, we t- we took him out to Utah Street like he was a toddler to get the first first Oreo game button, and everybody who saw that button that worked for the Orioles stopped to make sure that he was having a good experience. And um, the Oriole, uh, an usher, was kind enough to to let us um, show him a an up close view of the game for a little while, um, and a foul ball. Uh, was hit to our section and, and somebody flipped in the ball. Another usher who saw the, uh, the first timer button gave him one of those, uh, those like compression sleeve mm-hmm. Orioles compression sleeve. Every Oriole employee that we encountered, uh, made an effort to make this kid's first game at Camden yards, a, a memorable and positive experience. And it was one of those things where, you know, Scott has, as um, a younger person in the dark ages, you know, I've had ushers chase me out of mm-hmm. absolutely empty ballparks uh, because, you know. Not even in Section 44, but like over in Section 7, like, hey, what are you doing here? Right. Plus, like, right, right, right. there's nobody right. here. Like, what are you doing? And, and I have, you know, I've seen just really disheartening uh, things. Tuesday was a great game. Yep. And, you know, my kid and and his friend had just this marvelous experience because everybody mm-hmm. associated with the Baltimore Orioles uh, did their part. And, you know, I have, I have um, often expressed frustration with the Orioles in the fact that, that it was very possible they would have squandered my, Correct. my kids falling in love with baseball uh, age. Yep. And in that moment, I kind of remembered why I fell in love with sure. baseball just watching uh, such a wonderful experience through their eyes. So a tip of the cap to everybody that we ran into at the ballpark on Tuesday, Henry and his friend had a great night. Uh, you know, it was capped off with a, an exciting one, nothing win. Uh, but the win was uh, top to bottom organizationally. Yeah. Small details matter. Yeah. Um, and uh, the Orioles to date, at least from us, from a fan experience standpoint, um, have done a lot of small details for us. Um, and we greatly appreciate that. So, and that's something that we'll reflect in kind of our end of the year season, um, you know, surveys that we do as season ticket holders. But yeah, uh, I walked away this season uh, more impressed than ever in just the small details taken care of um, for season ticket holders and even just generalized fans of, of the ballpark. So kudos to the Orioles once again. And that that's our show. Remember, you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. Bird's Eye View is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. Please remember to rate and review the show. We appreciate the feedback, and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come and get social with us. You can email us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. You can find us all over social media. We're on Instagram, Threads, Facebook, Snapchat, the Ticks, and the Talks. But the best way to get a hold of us is on an app that used to be called Twitter, where we do something that used to be called tweeting at Bird's Eye View, B-A-L. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fond adieu adieu. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there. 
and let's go O's. October's around the corner. One win away. Or a loss. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.